Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. It's time for another instructional time and discussion time on disciple making. I'm Tim Beadle with my good friend, Darren Ride. And today we're going to be reflecting on five different uh, elements of what it means to live on mission. Obviously, you can't follow Jesus if you're not following him on mission. And uh, I, I read somewhere during this past week, it isn't so much that the church has a mission, but that God's mission has a church. And as members of his church, we need to live on mission. Uh, you're the one who designed uh, these five steps. Do you want to give a bit of a background and then we'll jump into them? Yeah, sure. This is just uh, basically a little email training or series that I've done to kind of prime the pump for people who want to know what would what would I actually do if I want to move on mission? If I'm just a you know a fairly static used to sit in the pew kind of Christian, what would I actually do to move into mission? And so I have a series of five simple points and five different emails. And uh, we're going to look at those five, five steps today. Yeah. The first one I call P and P is praying and paying attention. Obviously you can't put your head in the sand if you're going to be with Jesus on mission. Do you you want to unpack uh, praying and paying attention? Yeah, sure. This is, this is a big one and maybe the biggest one. And I, I come back to this so many times, Tim, and I know when it comes to personal evangelism, I, I teach that intercession is at least half the job. And what this is about, it's about really starting to pray regularly for the people in your life who don't know the Lord, whether yeah. people you see on the street walking by, people you interact with at work, in your neighborhood or in school, and actually start making a list that you pray for regularly. And I always challenge people, you know, I want, I'd like to see you have a list of 10 to 20 people, at yeah. least half of whom are local, people that you see throughout yeah. the week that you start praying for just for God for God to work in their life and then pay attention to the opportunities he gives to things that service to those who naturally uh, have affinity with you and, and maybe want to talk more. Uh, a big part of that is uh, Acts 26, 18. We often yeah. work that Good passage word. over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where, where it says, explains the call of Paul to, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of yeah. Satan to God that they'd receive forgiveness of sins, a place among those sanctified by faith in Christ. And we yeah. see that was Paul's call to the Gentiles, but it's also a great prayer outline that I encourage people to use. Yeah, yeah it talks about life change, heart posture change. And uh, I like how you uh, suggested that the, at least half the people on the list uh, really be people that we're going to come in contact on a regular basis. I think historically in a lot of prayer meetings I've attended over the years. We were praying for Aunt Betsy down, you know, in a different province or a different state. And chances are you might uh, send a Christmas card with poor old Aunt Betsy. But uh, that's a safe prayer because apart from your vague prayers, you're you're not going to be in touch with her. And God can't really use you to answer your prayer in her life. Well, that that's exactly right. And, and actually a part of this praying and paying attention is, you know, praying for people and making yourself available to be the yeah. answer to the prayer. I know I like what you said there about praying, you know, for distant people. We yeah. try in, in our little group here, we try to rein that in. And and yeah. I've encouraged people we don't want to pray at more than one degree of separation. Like we'll we'll pray for you, we'll pray for your relatives, wherever they are, 
but we don't want to pray for your uncle's sister-in-law's cousin. You know, yeah. we don't want to get too far out there because we can take up all our time. All of us could make a network of a hundred people we sort of have some kind of connection yeah. to and spend all our time praying for them, but not praying for people who are in their lives right now. Yeah. And then we then we don't ever have to take action, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wonderful to pray for someone that you do see just to watch over the course of time. Mm-hmm. That's that God's bidding and the human heart responding. Uh, just little baby steps as they turn their hearts towards the Lord. Uh, hey, w- when you talk about paying attention to promptings of the Spirit, uh, do you want to give a c- couple of illustrations what a prompting might be or what it might feel like? Yeah, it might just be simply a thought, a thought to go talk to that person or take some initiative. Uh, part of the part of the praying and paying attention is always saying in relation to people, Lord, what's next? Yeah, what's the next step? And actually asking the question. And you'll be amazed at the creativity God gives. You know, I I have a neighbor here who it's a situation where it seems like when I pray very specifically and in a focused way, we end up having good interactions. And if I'm not praying, nothing happens at all. Uh, I've had other people where I've been prompted to call them. It's not no different than, you know, with, with seekers than is with other believers. I'm sure many of our listeners have been prompted just to encourage someone, to call someone, to, to follow up with someone and seeing that the timing is just right. And that's what I've learned in following the Lord's promptings. Timing is often amazing. Yeah, and I think in the promptings as well, when you actually get up and start walking as if you're trying to answer the prayer that you've just offered and God will use you. Mm. You have to be willing to be available for the response of the person that you're getting involved in their life, because this is the, it's like a life on life experience. And if God is, you know, it's risky because it's going to cost you something, your time, perhaps money or whatever. But uh, this is what being on mission, Jesus was on mission. Sure, sometimes he separated himself and just spent all night praying to the Father. But he was out there with his people, with people, with the disciples. And he had to pay the price for that. And so, too, if if we're going to pray and are sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, uh, we have to be ready to respond. Let me ask you a more difficult question. What happens when the Spirit prompts you, but you don't do anything about it? (laughs) <laughs> well, well, I don't know what happens to other people. I know what happens to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I get c- kind of twitchy and uncomfortable. I know that oh, I will never hear anything yeah. else or have any peace till I take action. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, you know, that uh, parable in the end of Matthew of uh, the uh, master who is going to go away and he entrusted to his servants a different amount of talents. And we can have a discussion what those talents were. And, you know, some went and invested them and doubled them. And uh, that person who just had the one went and buried it because he didn't want to lose it and things like that. Uh, Over the course of time, I've I've taught on this and preached on this, but what are the talents? And some people think that they're your uh, physical talents. I said, well, if you read the Bible, it says he took the one uh, from the person who didn't use it and gave it to someone else. I don't think God gives us someone else's Mm. physical talents. Other people, because of the word talents and money, well, it's money. And, well, does God take your money and give it to someone else? Maybe the government does. I don't know. <laughs> but but this this is what I came up with. And it sort of goes along with the promptings, is that mm. if you don't use your I, – I think talents are like opportunities. Opportunities to invest in people's life with the master's interest in mind. And if the spirit prompts me five times – and I respond, I usually get five more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but if, I, if I'm if i given an opportunity, a prompting, and I don't do anything about it, as you just said, 
God will take that opportunity in time and give it to another person because the mission cannot be stalled because I'm either scared or disobedient. Hmm. And uh, uh, perhaps you haven't thought of the parable uh, that way, but that's what the master is all about. We only have so much time here to live in light of his mission. And he gives us opportunities by promptings of the spirit to make an investment in uh, the kingdom along the way. So, yeah. uh, that's, that's a really good, really good thought, Tim, because, you know, those opportunities when we take action are investments in eternity. They're yeah, investments yeah. in the kingdom, right? Yeah. And if people who don't use them, God will find someone else who will use them. And that's why hmm. people who use all their opportunities usually have way more opportunities that are given to them. And that's a source of blessing as well. So so yeah. you say that this is the engine, this uh, praying and paying attention. This is the engine to a life on mission. Uh, are you really... Uh, Convicted by this or what? It sounds like uh, this is from a, from an active standpoint. Yes, that's the action. I mean, the the engine, of course, is God's work in us, and yeah. you know, our resting in His grace and everything else. But from an active standpoint, if you want to move into mission, I always say start here, yeah. because when you start there, opportunities will arise, and you might you might get in situations that you're not equipped for. Well, then you'll get equipped. Then you'll be motivated to learn what you need to learn. But start so, praying and paying attention. Well, this is where the rubber hits the road, and I really appreciate this. Uh, this guidance and teaching, because if you're sitting not knowing where to start, everyone's got a piece of paper and a pen and can list a few people who need the Lord. And if you can't fill up a list, start praying and and the Lord will bring people to your remembrance. Uh, And it can be anywhere at work, at school, uh, neighbors. uh, So this is a good thing. And then obviously now you're consigned and you're engaged in ministry because the spirit who wants to, woo and win those people for the Lord, he will start prompting you, continually prompting you so that, uh, yeah, we're on mission all of a sudden. Uh, The the next one you talk about three secret weapons. (laughs) What what are they? Yeah, well, it's really secret much longer when you tell us. But here we go. Yeah, well, well, really, so the, there's the one secret weapon. There's there's three of them I share in the evangelism training, but the one I, I emphasize here is related to the first one, and it is simply to be an agent of encouragement, an agent of hope, and yeah. to actively, you know, looking ahead at your day and your week, speaking encouragement, speaking hope into people's lives. It could be as simple as just being nice to the waitress at the restaurant. It could be someone that you're working with and you just want to say good job to them. And what you find, Tim, in this world, this world is full of discouragement. It's full of people and situations and an entire context, really, that that seeks to pull you down and discourage you. And when you are are, are an agent of hope, when you're a person who speaks encouragement as as a regular pattern of living, you are immediately setting yourself apart. You have differentiated yourself from 99% of the rest of the world out there. And that becomes a great avenue. So some of the promptings might be a prompting to encourage this person in this way. And it just knocks down walls and opens doors to further conversation. It's very powerful. Yeah. When you look at that word of encouragement, uh, right in the middle, there is the word courage. Uh, And sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone and I would say this, don't encourage people in a cheesy way hmm. to try to get them to like you more or do it for your own selfish reasons. 
encourage people. I, I pray before I do it and you encourage people and you will feel blessed by doing it. But it's amazing the change you can make in people's lives by a few words of encouragement for sure. Oh, yeah. Like you just read, read the book of Proverbs in relation to this, yeah. you know, life giving words. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and fittings yeah. of silver. I mean, just the power of our, our speech and other people's lives can really, really change their lives, save their lives and set them on a whole new course. Yeah, you say uh, encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. And uh, people need to breathe that in for sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in terms of the three secret weapons, where do we go from here? Well, let's. Uh, we'll leave those other two secret weapons aside. Oh, you can dig into them okay. if they want. A little bit of suspense, maybe some some yeah, other day. Okay, um, the third, enough. the third, the third yeah. principle I, I share with people who want to move a mission. After you know they're praying and paying attention, they're learning to encourage. Well, then it's time to really sit down and make sure you have some clarity of your story and God's story. Yeah, clarity in explaining what God has done for you and what God wants to do for everyone. And so this is really your. You know, in Christian terms, your testimony and the gospel. Yes. And, you know, what I find is most people can't even share our stories well unless we've sat down and thought it through yes. and really think through how did I come to faith? Like, what were the factors? What were the things that drew me to Christ? You know, what happened? What's been happening since? What's he up to in my life now? And I encourage people to write it down in a way that would take three minutes, give or take, to read. Yeah. And just really think that through because if you can do that, you're ready to share it in 30 seconds or in a half hour or even multi-day conversation. But yeah. to get clear in your head why you came to Christ, how it happened, what he's up to in your life. So the story is there naturally to share in conversation with your friends. Very, very important. Yeah, I would encourage you to write it down, not just try to remember it because at certain times you'll be a little nervous or you'll 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 start uh, stammering and stumbling and stuttering because you haven't really committed it to heart. But mm -hmm. the same token, um, you know, for some of us who came to the Lord when we were quite young, uh, you don't want your story to be so outdated. Uh, there has to be an up-to-date um, up application. So you could say, you know, my, my parents took me to church when I was a little kid and uh, I fell in love with Jesus, invited him to be my special friend when I was just a little gaffer. And, you know, I've never I've never regretted that during the years because at times when I stumbled and had problems, that's where people can now relate to my story. Uh, he's been a constant friend, you know, and, and so you can you can bring it into the present. And obviously uh, the part about how God wants to do this to others, to Jesus as well. Uh, it, it's a lot easier uh, when you connect with people. Um, C.S. Lewis talked about uh, how friendships are formed. And uh, th there is a BLESS acronym, but before anything, we pray and then we learn to listen, maybe eat with a person, uh, serve them, and then you get to tell your story. By then, hopefully that you're friends. But, but what is friendship all about? Well, uh, C.S. Lewis said this, uh, when you have somewhat, something in common with someone else so that you can say to them, oh, you too, those two words, you too, Hmm. Your kids are driving you around the bend. You too? <laughs> you just got ripped off by the government. You too? Or you like listening to this kind of music. You too? Well, hmm. When you connect with someone at the you too level, you, you go deeper, more intimate with someone. And, and I think uh, when you finally get to tell your story, whether it's a 30-second, three-minute, or 30-minute, 
I find it's more effective if you developed uh, the you two relationships. So they'll mm-hmm. actually listen because if you've already established a common bond in friendship, whatever it may be, watching your favorite hockey team, whatever, they've already learned that there's something about you that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And, and this then opens up the doors that they will probably listen, uh, actively listen, not just sort of endure, yeah, whatever. But uh, I, I think that'll go deeper when you get to tell your story. If you've taken time to develop the friendship so that you can relate to someone uh, to the point of saying you too, in terms of that. That's that's excellent, Tim. I really, really like that. And that, that yeah, it becomes in a friendship then. Exactly. We have things in common. Your story, not, they tell their story, you tell your story in whatever form, right? It's just exactly. a natural part of a friendship. But you have to have your story worked out. Yeah. And so it reaches a logical conclusion as well that hopefully makes uh, people thirsty either for more or for more of God, if you mm-hmm. get that far. But I'll also understand that as you're telling your story, the Holy Spirit is active at all mm-hmm. times because he'll use little parts or snippets in your story uh, that will stick like Velcro to another person's soul where they're hurting and need the Lord, perhaps, or they're hurting in yeah. life. And they say, hey, maybe you can, because we have a U2 uh, experience, uh, we can talk more about this thing I'm facing in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's excellent, Tim. Yeah. Uh, the next the next step that I encourage people to take, so, you know, think of the progression. People yeah. are, are uh, praying and paying attention. They're agents of encouragement. They're prepared to share their story in the gospel. And then this is a, this is a big one. It's a simple one and a big one. It's to look at the way we live our life yeah. and do exactly the same things we're doing, exactly. but with intention. Exactly. In other words, you know, I have a hobby, but I'm doing it now with intention. Or I, you know, we we regularly have meals, but I'm doing it with intention. So we include others. We include you know seekers in that, and just live our natural routines, but on mission. And I know yeah. for a lot of our people here, one of the common kind of IDs that comes up is people feel like they've been given another another set of glasses, another set of lenses. Yeah. And that's really, really helped them with living their life. They're doing all the same things, but with this intentionality, with this umbrella of praying and paying attention, and it just puts them on mission automatically in whatever they're doing. Yeah. And I've said this many times in past podcasts. Uh, you look into uh, Corinthians Second Corinthians 5.16. For, so from now on, we regard or look at no one from a worldly point of view. And so, so this is the new set of lenses we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Usually people, when they hear this, oh, I got to do this. You don't have to do a lot of different stuff. You do the same stuff differently. This doesn't mean that you need to find a lot more time, but mm-hmm. that you invest your time more focused and intentionally in terms of being on mission. Uh, is that the way it works for you? Or that, That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. you know, I've done different things over the years. You know, I, I wanted to develop my speaking. I got involved in Toastmasters. I was in three or four different Toastmasters club. I saw people in each club come to faith, not yeah. even from an aggressive kind of sharing or, you know, come come to church or somebody else's church, you know, and praying for them. Obviously, I've been involved in gun club. I've been involved in, you know, all kinds of things which become avenues just for sharing uh, your yeah. faith with people and and sharing life and out of that you might develop some real friends and friendship and relationship is the avenue yeah, for your story and for God's story. Yep. Okay, so living on mission for the long haul means living on mission with others. Yes, yes, that is the fifth in this this simple little progression here, and it's just a an encouragement to people to gather with like minded individuals, whether it's 
a group they're already a part of or friends they already have or find people who already yeah. are or who want to live on mission just yeah. to get together to spend time in the word and prayer you know maybe get trained in these ways maybe share your testimony in the gospel with each other but just uh walk this mission adventure with other people it, yeah. the christian life was never meant to do alone in any aspect certainly not on mission uh, we need each other to encourage we need people who who can you know check with us and pray for us and challenge us and that's so essential in every aspect of the christian life and certainly if you're going to live on mission because living on mission you're going against the flow in so many ways that yeah. you need other people with you yeah, so you. So remember this. You alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. So so a couple of weeks ago, a fellow came up to me in church, his uh, new friend, his name's Curtis. And he says, um, uh, he heard about my new title at the church, you know, pastor of disciple making. And he says, I, uh, I, I'm leading a little disciple making group and I want you to hold me accountable. So I said, okay, I can do that. So so now every week we meet, uh, we pray, we talk about life and how it's going in terms of discipling others, and uh, that just proves this point. I, I when when he uh, uh, you know comes and, and we spend time together, I I leave so encouraged by someone hmm. else having the same passion that I do, yeah. and also by by what he shares with me. God is at work in people's lives in astonishing ways. And uh, you don't have to be a lone ranger. If you're a lone ranger in this, you got to turn around and find the, the rest mm. of the pack. Because truly, oh, you oh, need yeah. to sojourn uh, guys with a band of brothers or, or sisters. You got to find some other uh, women to do this with as well, so that you can really, really uh, see God working in your midst. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing how all these all these five things are so practical, mm. Darren. Uh, you should write a book on this. Uh, but they're so they're so practical that the person in the pew can understand them and immediately apply these as well. Now, again, they should find someone to walk with them, whether it's a mentor. But even in Scripture, you know, Paul had his Timothy. There's Paul and Barnabas, and and uh, you know, there's a reason that they didn't do it alone. Jesus Himself could have just come and been a trailblazer, but mm -hmm. He paused and He He called onto Himself uh, disciples. He had an inner circle within the twelve just because he realized that, that life is to be shared and it's to be shared life on life. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. And I would just say, Tim, for anyone who wants to move into mission, these things really do do it. And again, I, I circle right back to praying and paying attention. Just start there because what yeah. you find, Tim, is you pray for people, you learn, you, you not learn, you, you just begin to love them. You start yeah. to get God's heart for them and that changes your conduct and it changes the way you structure your day and your life and you want to be available and you want to be equipped to share. And simply by starting to intercede, I think that knocks down a lot of walls in our lives, in their lives, in the possible relationship. And I, I just encourage people, make a list of 10 to 20 people and start praying for God's work in them, according to Acts 26, 18. Yeah. And, you know, in three, six months, a year, reflect on those names and see where they are in their relationship towards you and the Lord. And go from there. Well, well, I'm Tim Beadle. This is Darren Ride. Darren's provided us with these five practical applications of how to get on mission. Perhaps you don't know where to start. Well, now you do. <laughs> so, so write down these things and uh, write down your story. Get out with other people. Uh, be an encourager, and all of a sudden, you'll be on mission to the glory of God. Yeah. Thanks for joining with us today. We'll catch you next time on Disciple Making. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com.
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.